All right, welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. A short week because we went a little long with the New Year's Day celebration last week, so we only have two games to cover, and I'll kick it to Michael for a quick recap. Yeah, didn't didn't start off well for the Blackhawks. Uh, the first game that we're going to cover uh, since last week's podcast didn't come out till uh, we didn't we didn't record until Friday. So the first game was the Red Wings game on Sunday, and Hawks did not look good early in this game. They came out flat, just weren't weren't controlling the play the way they should against a. a Really, really bad Red Wings team. One of the worst teams we've seen in the NHL in a while, it seems like. And the Red Wings were able to get a power play goal relatively quickly. And then later on in the first, they extended their lead to 2 to nothing, And it just, you know, the Blackhawks just, they, they weren't even putting up much of a fight in the game. But... The second period rolled around, and things things turned around. The Blackhawks started turning it on a little bit. Dylan Strome added his 10th goal of the season on a nice setup from Debrinket. Then Dylan Sakura finally, 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 after 40-some games in the NHL, finally tallied his first NHL goal. Long time coming for the for the kid. And you could just you could see the elation on his teammates' faces and the relief on his. Just a, it was a nice moment. Uh, set up from Kane and Gustafson, and it was hey you know he <laughs> he'd had plenty of chances prior to that, but you know he finally was able to put one away. And the big thing was is it tied the game up at two to two, and then in the third period. Adam Boquist made a really nice move at the blue line to get around his man and stepped into the middle of the ice and fired a wrister past uh, Jimmy Howard to give the Hawks a 3-2 to two lead about halfway through the third period. And then eventually Dominique Kubalik uh, added an empty netter uh, and the Blackhawks were able to come away with two big points against a Red Wings team, it gave them, you know, it, it extended their nice stretch here. You know, they were coming off the loss in Vancouver, but the Hawks had been taking pretty much two out of three games over these last couple of weeks. And even though it looked it looked ugly early, uh, they finally kind of stepped up and took it to the Red Wings the way that you would expect them to do in that situation. Well, I was going to add, too, real quick. It, this doesn't really matter for the game, but um, on Boquist's goal, the guy he uh, worked around was Darren Helm, who, I'm going to be honest with you, no idea he was still in the NHL. I had no idea about yeah. that. Yeah, the Red Wings got a couple of guys like that. You know, the Darren Helms, the Justin Abdelkaders. Uh, Franz Nielsen, just yeah, a bunch of a bunch of veterans barely holding on. Trevor Daly, former Blackhawk, just yeah, all kinds of guys like that. It, it, it's a bad team. Everybody's either too old or you know young players that aren't really franchise players. You basically got Dylan Larkin, and then you know a bunch of 
kind of tertiary pieces there. And so it's it's getting ugly in Detroit, but, you know, I, I think the fans can kind of, their fans can kind of accept the fact that, you know, after their 20, 25-year run or whatever it was at the top of the standings to that I, I they're probably embracing the fact that the the Red Wings are finally doing a full-blown rebuild probably three or four years too late but it is happening and the Blackhawks were able to come away with two points like I said they two points that they absolutely needed but it was just the you know it was only half of the action and unfortunately kind of the inverse of that game occurred last night Tuesday night against the Calgary Flames who are one of the teams that the Blackhawks are in direct competition with Hawks are chasing them for playoff positioning and like I said inverse of the Detroit game it was the Hawks that came out and played a really strong first period Uh, I thought there were several guys that um, had Maybe some of their best performances of the season early on. Uh, Oli Mata was one I felt played really strong. Jonathan Taves was showing a lot of effort, and you could tell that the game meant a lot to him. He knew how big of a game this was for the Hawks, and I thought he was playing a strong game. And Dominic Kubalik managed to get a, a redirected goal past. Uh, Cam Talbot, kind of late in the first period. It, it was kind of a sigh of relief because the Hawks had been out playing them fairly significantly, but you, you worried that it was going to end up being one of those nothing-to-nothing periods where you kind of feel like the you know the, the game was kind of slipping away from you there if you didn't take advantage when the ice was slanted in your favor. But Adam Boquist, once again, made a nice play from the blue line stepped into the middle of the ice, fired a shot on net with Dominic Kubelik right there, and Kubelik redirected it in. Patrick Kane got another assist on the play, and it was just, you know, it was a big goal in those last 30 seconds of the period. Made you feel really good about where the Hawks were in the game at that time, but... Just like kind of the Detroit game, second period rolled around and it was the other team that played with a lot of momentum. Uh, Calgary came out charging. I mean, they were they were laying hits. They were doing most things right, um, just really stifling the Blackhawks' offensive attack and really pe- hemming them in in the defensive zone. A lot of extended shifts in the Blackhawks end and it led to two different five on threes in the game Zach Smith was responsible for both penalties uh, that uh, sent the Hawks uh, two men down Uh, but that wasn't even you know the the thing that that hurt the Hawks in the game as they were actually able to to kill off both of those instances of five on three against the, the penalty kill was really solid throughout the entire game, and you thought the first the, the first five on three that they killed off that maybe 
the momentum would swing in the Hawks' favor. It seemed like they got a little bit of jump out of it, but it was very short-lived, and the game just kind of slanted back towards the Flames. Elias Lindholm buried two goals in the second period, and the, the, the Flames had multiple other good chances. Corey Crawford came up big to keep the Hawks in the game a couple of times, especially on those power plays he made, you know, on those penalty kill situations. As they always say, your, your goaltender's your best penalty killer. And even though the, the, forward and de- the forwards and defensemen who were playing on the penalty kill certainly did their job, Crawford did still have to make a couple of really key saves in order to kill off those but it just wasn't enough the kind of the killing blow ended up being Dylan Strom uh, falling awkwardly on a um, as he kind of went into the corner with a with a Calgary flame and his ankle bent underneath him and that kind of happened I think it was early in the second period and it, it shuffled the Blackhawks lines up the whole night and with as many players as the Hawks have out of the lineup right now their depth was already being sorely tested and just without you know one of their big guns in the lineup they just the, the offense just never really came around it unfortunately was one of the worst games that we've seen from Kirby Doc and Alex Debrinkit in the last this last stretch of games, uh, Debrinkit was completely ineffective, and Kirby Doc uh, he did some good things in the neutral zone and on the forecheck, but offensively he was not generating anything. He was kind of, it was kind of one of those games where the speed of the game seemed to be you know beyond him a little bit as a 19 year old. You know just one of those games where he was a little little overwhelmed. I think, and all, all of all of his plays in the offensive zone were just coming too too slowly, wasn't reacting quickly enough, and the Flames were able to kind of you know keep him completely in check. He never really threatened in the game, and Taves was doing his part. He's the one guy who I felt like you know his energy level was high throughout the whole game. That's something I've been critical of Taves the last year or two where you know I think his defensive commitment has not been quite as apparent as it was earlier in his career Um, but I don't I I can't blame him at all in this game it was he actually kind of looked like kind of prime Jonathan Taves for for the majority of this game Um, unfortunately just it wasn't enough Um, the they just weren't able to sustain any offensive attack, even in the third period when they were down two to one, and you figured that they would be, you know, kind of going all out. They they couldn't couldn't afford to lose this game in regulation, you know, against a key a, a key opponent here, and they just they they were able to get a, a power play late, but the power play was just a. I mean, I. I I'll let you kind of chime in on the power play. To me, the power play was as bad as it's been all season. They were just it was it was standing bad. around. It, they were just standing around. It was so aggravating to watch. Yeah, it was it just was like just, a, a totally on the perimeter. There was nothing towards the net, and like 
They had the, the goalie pulled at the end, and it was just... They just couldn't even get to the middle of the ice. And it was like... It was 2-1, to one, but it felt like it was just an impossible thing to get that one goal. They were so... You know, they were kept so well by... The Flames were so good at keeping them out of the middle of the ice that... Yeah, they just couldn't really generate anything in the final period. So... Yeah, it was just, it was a frustrating night, um, and yeah, I, the it doesn't completely bury the Blackhawks, but this was, it was a really big game, in my opinion, and the, the Strom injury on top of it, just, it really puts a damper on things at this point, um, I mean, they've still got a couple of opportunities against some teams that they're chasing coming up but you know they have to they have to leapfrog i think it's four teams now you know to get that final playoff spot including the flames and this was an opportunity at home even though the penalty kill showed up which has been an issue at home throughout the season the the penalty kill's been a little inconsistent there but it was the power play which is just been awful at home all season and it continued to be awful in this game and well it's one of those things too yeah where if you usually i mean this is one of those things where you read a stat and you go if you tell me before a game that you're going to be down five on three have two two man advantages against you and you don't give up a goal in either you usually feel pretty good about your team's chances in a game especially at home yeah and it's like it didn't happen this time. The offense yeah. just didn't, you know, develop. And, yeah, it's... And yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, at this point, you just want to win two out of three games. That's what you're trying to do at this point because when you're this far behind, you, you cannot lose a lot of games. So every loss just feels worse. But like you said, against a team that you're going for against for the wild card, it hurts even more. So, like I said, at this point, the Hawks now have to leapfrog four teams. And all four of those teams have games in hand against the Hawks. So, it is a really tall task, especially considering, you know, we're probably still a week or ten days away from Brandon Saad returning. Dylan Strom, they haven't announced. They said it's either going to be, they're still waiting to see if it's going to be a day-to-day or a week-to-week thing. The impression I got from watching it was that that was a, you know, kind of a high ankle sprain that's going to keep him out at least a couple of weeks. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is kind of similar to Brandon Sod's. Well, the, when he came off the ice and the way it looked, it looked exactly like Brandon Sod's injury. So, yeah. So I'm kind of expecting a two to week three, you know, or maybe two to four week thing. So kind of the same time frame as as Sod. I, I, it sounds like Sod's going to kind of be out you know probably four weeks before it's all done he he should be hopefully back middle of january but by that point you know i mean this is a hawks team that doesn't have the depth to withstand you know missing two of their top six forwards and especially considering doc and nylander you know and a couple of the the younger guys that you you hoped might be able to step up in their absence at least in the calgary game were not able to do so 
it's just, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, uh, unfortunate timing with the injuries, just as the Hawks seem to be gaining a little bit of momentum and playing a little better as a group, the the injury bug has hit and it might sap whatever small chance they still had of getting back into it. Yeah, I will add, though, that it's not all bad injury news because, obviously, we, as we talked about the last uh, podcast, Robin Leonard had tweaked his knee, but he was back in practice, so it sounds like he will be yep. back pretty soon. So that's one piece of good news. Yeah, it, from what I saw today um, on Twitter and that, it, it, it the impression I got is he's going to be back in the next game. So that that, that is big. Um, that would kind of be the only the only saving grace that this team might have is if Leonard and Crawford probably just get on a really really strong stretch here over the next couple of weeks while the Hawks kind of withstand some of the injuries if it, you know if they can steal some games that's I, I i really think that's probably their only chance and it really starts in this next game coming up on thursday and i i think that's a you know it's a pretty good transition over you to kind of talk to the about the preview i think because uh, to me this nashville game that's the team that is directly in front of you one point ahead and nashville is the team that has two games in hand against the Blackhawks. So this is, it, it really, really is a must-win game, in my opinion. Yeah, and so, yeah, thank you. I will kick into this preview. There's, it's going to be a busy week. There's going to be four games coming up before we uh, record another uh, episode. But I will say, if they're going to make a move, now might be the time. But we'll, you know, if this is, because they're going to play four teams that, None of them, I would say, are especially good. So, But we'll get into, um, as you said, Michael, the first game is uh, Thursday, which will be the day this podcast comes out at uh, 7.30 Chicago time. And it is against Nashville and Chicago. And like you said, the Predators just fired their coach. Uh, only the, the This is the, only the third coaching change in their history. So actually only second. just crazy. Yes, because... Yeah, second coaching change, yeah. Third coach. Right. Yes. Still uh, on their original GM, though. It's just it's really crazy. Yeah, they're the, a very stable team. But, you know, they hired the uh, Devils coach from this year that was fired, so that does seem like an odd move, but obviously the Predators front office must have felt that the it wasn't his fault the Devils were so bad. So, anyway. Right. Like you said, they're only a point of... Within a point of the Predators, so winning that game would be huge. Um, then two days later on Saturday, they end this little four-game homestand uh, by hosting the Anaheim Ducks again at 7.30. And the Ducks are bad. They're not a good team. They're a team the Blackhawks should beat. But, you know, as we said, even the Red Wings game was pretty shaky at first, but... This is a game the Blackhawks should win if they want to make the playoffs, right. for sure. Uh, then we move on to the start of a trip to the east coast of Canada, which will three game or two of the games will be, and the time covered by this podcast. But on Tuesday night 
at 6.30 Central Time. Uh, the Blackhawks head to Ottawa to take on the Senators, who are a little better than they were supposed to be, but they're still not very good. So, again, another team that's Blackhawks should be better than on paper, but we will see. And I should note, uh, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but for a large part of the season, Ottawa's leading scorer was Blackhawk, former Blackhawk Anthony Duclair. And he might still be their top scorer, so that's someone yeah, to keep an probably eye out their, Probably their all-star representative as well. Yeah, so I don't know if that was when maybe the Blackhawks gave up on too early. I don't know. He wasn't ever that impressive for he, the Blackhawks, but... Yeah, he was not impressive, and there's... You know, I always worry, especially with, you know, young African-American players, if there's biases working against them. But Duclair is a guy that is clearly talented, but he's been passed around to, I think, Ottawa's his fourth team or fifth team. Because, I mean, he came up with the Rangers. They quickly traded him to the to Arizona and then Arizona shipped into the Hawks the Hawks you know they didn't even offer him a contract they didn't even Mm -hmm. you know they didn't even try and trade him they just were willing to let him walk for a fairly reasonable you know arbitration salary they just said nope no thank you so you know maybe it's just a case of him maturing off the ice or whatever but I don't I don't feel particularly bad about that move going against the Hawks I I mean, you know, because yeah, because then he moved on to Columbus. It wasn't he didn't even go mm-hmm. directly to Ottawa. He went to Columbus. Yeah, it was Columbus. And then. They, they too let him go, and you know, and they're a team that, you know, they lost, you know, four or five huge players in free agency this past year, and you know, he wasn't a guy that they figured was, you know, going to be able to help them in the future. So, I don't know. Yeah, of of all the the talent drains that the Blackhawks have had the last over the last few years, that's that's not one that I overly concern myself with. Yes. And then the next night, they move just a little bit more to the east, to Montreal, to take on the Canadians at 6.30. And, man, Montreal is in an absolute free fall. I think they've lost seven or eight games in a row, and it's they were in a playoff position a couple weeks ago, but the bottom has absolutely fallen out on this team, so... It's another game that you would hope the Blackhawks would be able to get a, some points out of. Yeah, uh, like you said, that I don't know what's been going on in Montreal. It, it, it's a team that kind of like the Hawks. You expected a little bit more out of them, and you know it was just a couple of weeks ago that they were talking about you know adding players and trying to solidify a playoff spot and now just a couple of weeks later they're in danger of completely falling out of it and becoming sellers so uh, it'll be very interesting you know because that was one of the spots where uh eric gustafson has been long rumored as a you know a possible landing spot for him but if they lose a couple more games i can't imagine that they're going to be interested in buying any rentals yeah, so these are four games where, I mean, even the Nashville game, you'd say 
Blackhawks have a very reasonable chance of winning, but, you know, obviously we can never take anything for granted, but if they want to stay in the race, they're going to have to make a lot of hay out of these four games. Absolutely. I mean, Nashville is certainly the more talented team than the Blackhawks, but it, it just hasn't worked with them much this year. And they're, they've, they've gone the changing coaches to kind of shake up things. Laviolette had been there. I think this was his sixth season there. And he's kind of one of those taskmaster guys. So you just wonder if, you know, his his voice was wearing thin in that locker room. And so maybe this is just one of those shakeups that wakes them up and they start playing up to their potential. But you know, you just got to hope that maybe there's still a little bit of disarray there. Maybe they're changing systems and they're not going to adapt real quick and the Blackhawks can take advantage of it. Because if there's one team, you know, everybody's going to point to the St. Louis Blues last year as, oh, you know, you, you can be left for dead and then come back and win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, that's a very rare thing. But if there is one team, you know, that was that is currently out of the playoff picture, especially in the Western Conference, that could not only fight their way back into it, but actually make some noise in the playoffs once they get there. To me, it is Nashville. So it, it's just big. The, the Hawks got to kick these guys while they're down right now. And... That's the, that's the biggest game of this bunch, and this it, it, really might be the biggest game of the season. Honestly, I I, I, I think ca- the, the Calgary game that they just lost may have actually been the turning point for the Blackhawks. Losing that game and losing Strom really might be the, the nail in the coffin for them, but this is, this is maybe their one glimmer of hope of still maintaining whatever small hopes that they have. If, if they can beat Nashville and somehow, you know, scrape together four, five, six points out of that next batch of three games against three not very good teams, then, you know, maybe that gets them over the hump and Sod and Strom are able to come back and give them a boost once they... Yeah. You know, because if, if they don't, aren't successful, if this is like, they lose two of these games or whatever, this this next four, you're, you're pretty much... You're, it's over at that Yeah, point. you're going to have to start mailing it in then, so... Yep. As we keep saying, every week when we do this, it, if they fall apart here, it's pretty much over, and that theme's going to keep going, so we'll see exactly what happens with this team this year, but, you know, every time you think they're done... They hang in there, so. But at the same time, they all—they also tend to play to their level of competition, and the level of competition that they're playing this week is not especially high. Yes. And they could—they could play worry. down to their. Yeah, they if they play down this week, they and we've seen it before with the Devils and even that Red Wings game. They 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 can lose any of these games too. So hopefully they, yep. uh, you know, really dig in and give their best effort in these games. That's what I want. I, I I don't even mind if they end up losing it and falling out of the race and start trading guys. 
I just want to see a consistent effort and a little bit of grit out of this team. I, that was one of the things that really disappointed me in the Calgary game was they never responded to hits. There were opportunities for, you know, to finish some checks and to put up a fight in front of the, the Calgary goal. It didn't seem like there was anybody on the team that wanted anything to do with trying to screen the goalie. There, there, there was no fight to get to the front of the net at all throughout that game, and it was that was a really frustrating thing to me. Um, and like I said, I, I I pointed out Taves as a guy you know that was probably a, one of the few exceptions in the game that was really putting forth the effort that you would like to see in a big game like that. But the majority of them, if if they keep putting out, you know, their current level of effort that they put out in that Calgary game, uh, it's it's going to be rough. And uh, a lot of these guys, you know, yeah, there's going to be some pieces of this team that are going to get sold off at by the trade deadline if they fall out of it. But there are a number of guys on this team that are playing for spots over the next couple of years. And it'll be really telling for the front office if some of these guys don't seize the opportunity that's going to be presented to them over these final couple of months. If they're not willing to fight and claw and you know try and grab hold of a NHL job while it's there, you'd have to question whether or not they'd be the kind of guys that would fight and claw to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah. So we'll see. I guess that's yep. all we can do is wait. So, of course, I am STH85 on Twitter. Michael? MJ underscore Ernst. Yep. And as always, uh, whether they're still in the race or out of the race, we're going to be here, so... Uh, thank you for listening and go Hawks.